Hello, and welcome to Bostonian Rap. My name is Rachel Meiselman. You are listening to me on WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. This is Boston's community radio station. So before we jump into tonight's show, we're going to go to a quick disclaimer, and then we're going to come immediately back to unpack the issues, uh, the questions of tonight's show. The following commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3215 or email radio at bnnmedia.org. Hello, and welcome back to Bostonian Rap. Again, my name is Rachel Meiselman, and you're listening to me on WBCA LP 102.9 FM Boston. So, as always, (laughs) oh my goodness gracious, uh, it's just nonsense doesn't take a day off. So (laughs) there's always something uh, to talk about. There's always a lot of somethings to talk about. So today I used my lunch break to attend a Boston City Council meeting, part of it anyway, and then I had to hightail it back to the office where I work um, to get back to work. <laughs> uh, but it was it was just, it was very enlightening. I think that just watching our elected officials at work really to see how they present themselves, how they interact with others, how they move in their habitat, literally and figuratively. It's it's very, yes, very enlightening. And I have ideas about... (laughs) Every member of the Boston City Council. Uh, there's some people I like very, very much. There are others that I like much, much less. <laughs> but I find that just watching them, watching them today, I didn't walk away with any kind of aha moments or wow moments. It was just, I saw behavior that I expected. And so I didn't see anything that would lead to me reconsidering the ideas that I have about these different people on the Boston City Council. So again, there's some of them I like very much. I'm actually pretty, I'm pretty happy with the new members. Um, I find them appropriate, decorous, clean cut. And there seems to be an earnestness. Uh, And so it's, I'm very, I'm happy, (laughs) I'm pleased. Uh, Councilor Louis Jeune, 
Council President Lujan. I think she did a good job in managing the meeting. There was uh, an outburst today, and at first, I guess it's time for me to get new glasses, a uh, <laughs> new prescription. Uh, that's actually what I'm doing tomorrow. It's one of the doctor's appointments I have tomorrow. Um, at first, I didn't recognize the the individual who had an outburst during the meeting. And uh, and afterwards, I said, well, how could I not have recognized him? So it was Joa DePina. And I think that you have politicians in, in the city of Boston, and then you have activists. It's it's really it's it's an interesting vibe <laughs> in Boston. It's this whole ecosystem, right? This whole political ecosystem. So you don't just have the elected officials, you have their staffers, of course. You also have the activists, and I think that these activists, uh some of them are <laughs> they're they're I think very unique in themselves. At any rate, uh, Joe DePina. So he's actually run for the Boston City Council. So many Boston listeners will probably remember his name because he ran a couple of times. And I think that Joe DePina is someone that has overplayed his card. I think that we went through a period where people who act out and act up, it was very entertaining in the beginning for some. It was never to my style. I'm very reserved, but a lot of people applauded this kind of no holds barred. I don't have any filter. I'm going to speak my piece. I'm going to say this, that, and the third. (laughs) So... Certainly, Joa fits in that category. He'll tell you that, but I think he's—I think his his shtick is is at this point well worn. And so, what Joa does, or what he's done, or what he's not afraid to do, or what he hasn't been afraid to do, is show up uh, in public spaces and call out very loudly. <laughs> Uh, an elected official or elected officials if he or she or they are present. And like I said, I think there was a period, particularly after the pandemic, uh, particularly when things started opening up after the great shutdown in 2020. And I think people really wanted to blow off steam. I think people were angry. I think people were frustrated. I think they very much still are. But I think that the fallout and everything that all of us are going to have to kind of address and 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 face up to uh, because of of the pandemic, because of 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 what was done during the pandemic, the shutdown, the way things that were handled by the the political class. I think that's it's a fallout. Those are challenges. 
that we're going to be dealing with for some time to come. And I don't think we're going to realize fully just how harmful some of the measures were uh, until another few years have elapsed. Don't misquote me. Don't attribute words to me that have me even implying that I didn't take the pandemic seriously, that I didn't take COVID seriously. I knew that there was something nasty out there. And it was given a name COVID. I know that some people, they just got the sniffles and maybe a sneeze or a cough or two. Whereas other people, they became very ill, violently ill, and and still others, tragically, they lost their lives. So I was never one to poo-poo. And I've said this. I've said this. It, it, my position's been consistent. I have never poo-pooed or, you know, try to minimize the risk that the COVID virus, COVID-19 virus, uh, posed poses my issue my issues stem rather from the way everything was handled during the pandemic i think there were a number of people who were quite frankly staggeringly out of touch and they were unfortunately the ones some of them that made the decisions that affected people's in some cases, they're very lifelines. And it's just, like I said, we're still dealing with the fallout. But the point of all that is, because of all the anger, because of all the frustration, because of all the uncertainty, I think that people really wanted to blow off steam. They wanted to speak their mind and they wanted to engage in their rants without anyone putting a timer on it. They wanted to be able to shout and curse and say whatever it is they had to say so that they would feel less in some cases, quite frankly, enraged. And I don't think in many cases that the rage and the upset and the fury, I don't think it was unjustified. I don't because, again, some of the measures that were taken during the pandemic, it just, it was devastating to to, to so many of us. So many of us paid such a high price in a number of ways. And like I said, there were some people who paid the ultimate price. They lost their lives. But people's uh, financials were destroyed. People's livelihoods, uh, small business owners, part-time workers, full-time workers, Everyone, I mean, no one was really spared. And it was very interesting to see that this pandemic really kind of 
cut across so many different demographics. And so we love, 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 love to talk about black and brown people. But I got to tell you, there were plenty of white people who were who were scared and they were suffering and some of them had money and some of them didn't. It was it was just a very uncertain time. And what added to the uncertainty and at times even the scariness, scariness of the of the moment of that time was that we were being bombarded with information that often didn't line up. One day we could hear one thing, but maybe several months later we would hear an absolute contradiction of what we had been told. And so it was just very difficult to process all that. And then, of course, there were people that were telling us what to do to stay safe, to protect others, but they themselves didn't engage in the same behavior. So, yeah, a lot of fury, a lot of, a lot of anger, a lot of resentment. And so I think people like Joe DePina, I think people cheered him because they said, you know, I like he I like him. He he told Rachel Rollins where she can go. Did you see how he stood up to her? I love that. You know, and there were other such episodes. And I've known Joa for a long time. And I think that I have to say, I think he's gone from being a happier figure to more of a an angry figure. And I can I, I get that absolutely too. I mean, listen to what I just said. I talked about the pandemic, which exacerbated feelings of of uncertainty and resentment as they were. So I get it. But I think that this whole speaking out, shouting out scenes, uh, shouting out obscenities or, or, or speaking out of turn or just doing anything that would draw attention to oneself when it isn't appropriate, I think that that, I think it's seen its day. And I think, interestingly, maybe ironically, I think some of that is down to the anti-vaxxers. Some of those people who were supposedly protesting all the things that I just enumerated that were just such egregious offenses done to us all, right? But they overplayed their hand. I mean, look at Catherine Vitale. So, you know, people in Boston will be more familiar with her. She ran for the Boston City Council. And a year out, a year, year and a half before making her announcement, she began showing up at venues where she knew 
she would encounter an elected official or two or three or four or five, and she would ambush them. I mean, I think she still does. And again, I think initially people were applauding her because they were like, you know what? I I can say something. I don't have to just sit here and take it. I can speak up for myself. But I don't think that Catherine was trying to speak truth to the power. I think she was just trying to take an, um, make a name for herself, excuse me, uh, a year, year and a half out for, uh, from city council races. She wanted to make a name for herself because we've gotten to a point uh, in Boston that it's not, well, certainly for Boston, the Boston City Council, it's not what you know, it's not what you understand. It's not your platform, not your ideas. Definitely doesn't have to be your character. No, it's just how many people know your name. And you just hammer them over the head with it. My name is, my name is, my name is. And to be fair, to play devil advocate, you know, to a certain extent, I mean, for any office that you run for, a name recognition is huge because unfortunately... You know, people, a lot of times, they just rely on that. And it's been like that for a very long time. But you had Catherine Vitale. With that in mind, that is, you know, building name recognition. It's my humble opinion. And... She did all the things that are a lot of the things that Joa did or does, does. You know, you're making noise, you're getting into confrontations, you're getting into tussles. And my favorite is antagonizing someone, getting into it with someone, looking for confrontations looking to go head to head and as soon as that actually happens up oh, on goes the camera on goes the iPhone camera and so people only thing they see is someone who's very angry and they're directing their anger toward Catherine and she's she's a master at that <laughs> she's not the only one She's not the only one. Joe's specialty has been more, I'm going to speak my mind. I don't have a filter, as I said. But I think it's, it's seen its day because I think that there was so much of that and, and it was taken to such extremes People were going, just speaking more generally now, people went to such lengths in their race to the bottom with no bottom in sight that I think that people have reached their fill. And so part the, the, well, the part of the council meeting um, where... 
uh, Joe erupted was, I have to choose my words carefully. That's why I'm kind of, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying, that's why I'm being very deliberate in my speech right about now. There was a moment when we were talking about the closures of the stores, the Walgreens. Um, that's for those of you who might be further outside of Boston or might be in another state, another part of the country, or maybe another part of the world. Unfortunately, now what's happening in Boston is you have these major uh, corporations, these chain stores like CVS, like Walgreens, like Rite Aid, and they're closing. And so there are several of them that have closed in areas where there are a lot of minorities. And so, of course, people are latching on to race and and the 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 narrative that's being spun i'm sorry it's insane and i and i will get to it in just a minute but the, but the narrative goes something like this that you know you have basically these these nasty corporations and look how they're doing the hood All right so we're going to get to that we're going to get to that narrative and you had at one point uh, Boston City Council Julia Mejia, who stood up and talked about independent um, pharmacists because these Walgreens and CVSs, they're not just places where we can buy toiletries, household supplies, or food. It's, it's also where many people get their prescriptions filled. So, you know, these, these places are very much anchors and the community, and, and they're, they're very, they serve as a, a very important presence. Very important presence. So Julia Mejia stood up, and I, I don't think she needed to, to speak, but apparently she felt otherwise. And she spoke about, at one point she was talking about an independent pharmacist and you know, minority-owned, black-owned, and, you know, this is a chance to give them a boost. And I just, again, it for me, forgive my cynicism, or if you hear, like, a flippancy in my voice, or if I'm, if I'm coming across as disrespectful, because that's not the intent. As upset as I will get with Julia, I call her Julia sometimes, I've known her for over a decade. And I will always have a soft spot for her, even if I don't like everything, or even sometimes a lot of what she says and does. I will always have a soft spot for her. So I don't mean to come across as disrespectful, but for me, that was just an extension of what I already see as a bogus narrative. And so Joa comes in. Remember Joa? We won't forget about Joa. <laughs> And he was saying, well, you know, there were uh, minority-owned businesses, pharmacies, and you didn't speak up when they closed or when they were having problems. He said something to that effect. And he's probably not wrong. And, you know, there's certainly, at any given time, there's a lot of hypocrisy that can be found in Boston politics. And I'm not just talking about, 
you know, the city council. I just mean in general. I mean, unfortunately, you find people in Boston, particularly on the city council. I'm like, dang it. Uh, you, <laughs> I don't know what it is, what's in the drinking water, but you have people now who think much more of themselves than counselors in years past. And they're a lot less productive. They're a lot less uh, effective. They're a lot less knowledgeable. So you say to yourself, what exactly is going on here? Like, what is this? What is this all about? So I don't doubt. I'm not going to, I'm not going to doubt the entirety of what uh, Joe has said. I think he probably, I think there was probably a point to be made. The problem is it's drop an email. Drop it in an email. Pick up the telephone. Heck, do a live on your page and then you can just let it all hang out. <laughs> and he does do lives. He does a lot of lives. I, you know, I don't watch them faithfully, but I've caught, uh, you know, I've I've seen, you know, pieces of, 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 of a few. So, you know, I, I know that at least he did do lives. I'm imagining that he still does. But the point is, it's, he didn't do himself any favors. And it's not just about losing favor with people because of your actions. It's about your point getting lost in the delivery. And so, you know, he was asked to leave or he, you know, he, he left uh, a couple of the counselors who know him well, Councilor Mejia and Councilor Fernandez Anderson, I think Councilor Fernandez Anderson in particular kind of went out to talk to him, try to have a, a, a bit of a word. But I just, I think that it's it's at the point where if Joel wants to make an impact, he needs to step back and run for office and really do it right. Like, not, like, don't show up clowning people or being a clown. Just run your race. Like, run your race, no holds barred, and just, just do it up. Or find someone, work with that person, have that person run. Start up a nonprofit just because it's not that I don't think he has anything to say. It's not that I, I think that his voice isn't worth listening to. It's just um, I'm over like speaking out, shouting out. It's just I'm, I'm done with it. Like, OK, I got it. Like the delivery, I'm <laughs> I'm not feeling it. I'm not vibing with it. It's like it, I'm done turn it over. It's, you're done. <laughs> turn yourself over. You're done. Stick a fork in yourself. You're done. Like, I, I don't want to hear what you have to say as long as this is the way it's going to be articulated. 
that, and that, and that's just it. But apart from that, just listening to these people, and you know, I've said this, I've said this in many shows. If you go to other municipal council meetings, you know, town council or city council meetings, you see the schism between the level of knowledge, the level of professionalism between Boston and other places. Boston is pretty low. Now you have some other, some people, Henry Santana, I love Henry Santana, I do. I'm sorry, I do. I just do. People like, but is he, you're not necessarily in the same part of the political spectrum. We don't have to be. Henry is such a gentleman and he understands that holding office is about grace and it's about privilege. And he knows who he has to ultimately answer to. So he's, he's, he has a beautiful heart and I'm, Excited to see what he's going to do. I look forward to seeing what he's going to do. I think that he's going to do, not just as a member of the city council, but just more largely, more broadly, I think he's going to do many beautiful things. I love Henry. He's awesome. (laughs) Um, There's Councillor Fitzgerald. Uh. I actually like him. I I really, really do. Uh, Most people listening to me know that I am a huge, massive fan of Frank Baker. Uh, I love Frank Baker. Uh, I've met some of his family. I thought, you know, I thought, think they're great as well. Miss him a lot. But I think uh, Councillor Fitzgerald, I like him. I do. And so I kind of watched him in the meeting and he was very measured and he was just taking it all in like Henry, you know, because they're new. Um, Benjamin Weber, I think he's great. I love him. He's, it's like I said, I really like this new class of counselors. Uh, they're very measured. They're very appropriately, I don't want to use the word restrained, but they're very up appropriately, and I don't want to keep on saying measured. Um, they're very, they're very decorous. Why don't, why don't I say that? They're very decorous, um, and they they lend further shine to the Ionella Chamber with their behavior. So I, I like them very much. When you walk into the chamber, you would expect to see that kind of behavior. Uh, Liz Breeden, over time, I've I've come to like her too. She's, so she, I think she's been maybe on the council now longer than anyone with the departure of Michael Flaherty and, and um, Frank Baker. Uh, Councilor Breeden, uh, she just puts her head down and she does the work. When she has something to say, she will say it. But she basically just tries to mind her own business and keep her head down. And I wouldn't want it any other way. I, I don't need to be entertained. If I want to be entertained, I'll get a Hulu subscription. I'll get, I'll get Netflix. 
I don't know if there's Netflix plus. I don't do Netflix. <laughs> but but it's just to say that when I look at my elected officials, my public servants, I don't need to be entertained. If they happen to be entertaining, fabulous, great, but they still have to observe the rules of decorum. They have to respect societal norms. And of course, above all, do their jobs. You know, as long as they do all that, if they happen to be entertaining too, that's that's lovely. <laughs> that's uh, ain't that grand. But I I don't need my public officials, um, those who are my public servants. I don't need them to be entertaining. I, you know, it's this isn't. I I don't I don't want to have. Uh, for an elected official, for for one of my uh, elected voices, I don't want to have a court gesture. Gesture. I don't. I don't. I don't need or want any of that. So, I uh, I, I I appreciated uh, the way they carry themselves. Uh, Councilor Pepin, he seems very clean cut. He he seems to be very, which I like very much. He seems to be. Um, very mature, very like very good head on his shoulders, and I don't say that condescendingly. It's just that um, he is young. If I'm not mistaken, I think he's in his twenties, and he carries himself um, in a much older fashion. But it's it's not it's not such that uh, it's, it's unrelatable. It's just that he's he just has a very good head on his shoulder on his shoulders and and he's just he's very grounded which is a nice thing to see and it looks like he's a nice family man so that so that's um you know definitely a plus but at the end of the day that's obviously his business but it's just it's nice to see but i will say that and i did promise i would broach this the the issue with the closing of the walgreens stores and so I'm hearing a lot about, well, the hood this and the hood that, and you ain't going to come in and do the hood like that, and black and brown folks, we're going to get up and we're going to speak up and we're going to, you ain't, you know, you ain't going to get that over on us, not today anyway. And it's like, hold up, hold up. <laughs> the hood, my family's from the hood. I've lived in the hood. And really, I mean, I don't even know, like hood, speaking of things having their day, uh, you know, maybe that expression has had its day because, I mean, the hood, what's the hood? I mean, if you live in the, if you live anywhere in, well, I shouldn't say anywhere, well, you know, (laughs) given all the different things that are going on now in Boston, uh, regardless of where you live now, you could talk about living in the hood. I mean, it's, 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 you know, it is kind of like that. But, you know, obviously, traditionally, historically, you talk about the hood, you're talking about the inner city, right? Where, you know, you don't necessarily have as many houses with white picket fences uh, and closing them with, you know, lush green lawns. But having said that, I mean, I just, I find that Boston, despite it being in free fall, um, you know, wherever you go, even if you go in the hood, hood, uh, it's it's beautiful. It's beautiful, but we we are uh, in a downward spiral. I do feel that Boston has been destroyed. 
and we have to reverse course. We have to. We have to. It's not a matter of, well, Boston's is, is going to be ruined. It has been ruined. It's just how far are we going to go? Is that when we have businesses closing up and leaving, that's serious. When we have a situation where people need to make nothing under, I mean, if I wanted to live alone, I, I rent. I will share that. Normally, I'm very private. I don't, sh- I'm, I'm just a very private person. And I think that <laughs> as an extension of that, I, you know, like what it comes down to is I don't need or want people to know my business unless it's relevant to what I'm trying to do. So for instance, if I'm applying for a job, uh, you know, I don't know, I want to be a beekeeper. Well, then someone needs to know if I have experience being a beekeeper. But even in terms of like where I went to school, okay, that I share because I talk about a lot of issues um, that revolve around education. And unfortunately, my all, all my uh, matres have been in the news uh, for negative reasons, for all the wrong reasons. Um Yes, my all my uh, all my matrix, uh have been in the news for all the wrong reasons. Boston Latin School, uh, and and now Harvard. So it's you know it, it's been challenging. It's been very challenging, but that's certainly another story for another time. Uh, a couple of those stories for other times, but uh, you know I'm just a private person. I mean, people don't even need to know where I live unless, you know, like if if I were to run for uh, any kind of office, then it becomes relevant. You see what I'm saying? But I mean, I don't, I don't share, I don't overshare, and I don't expect other people to overshare or share at all. Like, you know, if, if it's relevant, if I need to know, then you can tell me. I expect to know, but otherwise, that's that's your business. You know, but you have, um, I don't know, you, you, have, you have a situation where, we're talking about the hood, right? <laughs> I'm going to say that, you know, my family... Again, I'm only sharing it because it's relevant. Um, my family, you know, came from Codman Square. That whole area, Boston's Ward 14, uh, it's a part of Dorchester that is very close to the, the, the Mattapan neighborhood. And back in the day, it was all Jewish. It was all Jewish. And you can still go to some homes here and there, and you can find a mezuzah on the door. How about that? Isn't that beautiful? That is so beautiful. And you can see churches, and they have kept the facades so you, um, of, what the, of what the building used to be, so you know it used to be a synagogue. How beautiful and respectful is that? It just fills my heart up so. So, 
you know, that's that's those are my roots. And uh, I myself, as an adult, I've lived, you know, uh, in, 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 in the ward where my family came from. And I'm I'm proud of it. Um, you know, so I don't it's so funny because when you have an R after your name, you always feel like you have to you have to uh, explain and then over explain. And then once you've done explaining and over explaining, then you got to wait a few minutes and you gotta explain again. <laughs> but. You know, the hood, the hood. And people's outrage about these stores closing. And I got to tell you, if people want the hood to be better, if people want businesses to stop closing up and moving, then people in the hood need to react differently to other issues. What do I mean? Well, no one's talking about the addicts who are going in and cleaning the stores out. No one's talking about how there are children and adults who aren't addicts. You got teenagers, and they're seeing adults just go in there and help themselves to whatever's on the shelves. And, of course, because we don't really have this idea, this concept of personal responsibility, it's, it's kind of like, well, you know, there, there's, there's a reason. This one's poor, and this one is suffering trauma from racism. And that one over there, well, we'll, we'll come up with some kind of excuse for him, too. Look, it's not easy being poor at all. I think I consider myself poor. I do. I think that we have reached a point in society, particularly in Massachusetts, where we have different degrees of of being poor. We really do. You know, like I don't even talk about the working class anymore. I talk about the working poor. That's how a lot of people feel because... It really is the reality of the situation. I mean, they they feel that way, but then their bank account feels that way too. It's it's look, everything is so expensive. You know, I just said that if you want to live comfortably and not have to worry about living check to check, you want to live on your own rent in Boston. I wouldn't recommend doing it under $90,000 unless you find a really good deal, right? I just, I, I, I wouldn't because you want to be able to put money away. You want to be able to save for a rainy day. You don't know what life is going to throw at you. I mean, it's just, it's alarming. It really is. It's scary. You know, to move to a lot of places they want first, they want last, and security. That's a lot. And if you t- and if you're talking about rent are already being like two or three grand, hello. Even if it's like fifteen hundred, eighteen hundred, that's still a lot of money. And times two or three, 
And what's your paycheck looking like? That's a lot to come up with. Now, if you're making over $100,000 and it's just you, or you're making several hundred thousand dollars and maybe it's you and you have family, still, that's okay. But most people are not making over a hundred thousand or several hundred thousand dollars. And so it's, it's really, it's difficult. It's difficult. Boston's difficult. I love Boston with all my heart, but it's a difficult place to live if you're not a person of means. And that's not the way it should be. And that's not the way it was growing up because when I was growing up, you could be a blue collar worker and you could acquire wealth And then that wealth became generational wealth. I kid you not. There were a lot of working class people, a lot of blue collar workers. And they did quite well for themselves. My family being part of that group. My family, you know, my family was able to buy nice homes and live, you know, live nicely, you know, do, do, uh, do the things that that one does when one is enjoying life. <laughs> um, you know, there there was there was uh, opportunity for that. There were occasions for that. Now, not so much. Not so much. You know, so I'll get back to this this idea about the hood. And that's why I just, I'm so tired of people talking about the hood. I'm so tired talking about black and brown people. Because you got some white people out there struggling like you wouldn't believe. And they live in some fancy zip codes. And they're like, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I was talking to someone. And he was He was funny, but he was just... He was keeping it real. He was keeping it real. He was just like, you know, it's not just, uh, you know, people living here and there. You know, I'm living, you know, he, he talked about, you know, the municipality in which he lives. And it's a nice, it's a nice one. It's it's a nice zip code to be in, to be residing in. And he was talking about it. It's tough. It's tough keeping up with the cost of living. I think he owns a home, but it's, it's just hard for him to just maintain it because it's just everything is just so darn expensive. So I, all of that I say to communicate unequivocally that I get it. I get it. It is hard being poor. And when you're poor, 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 whew, it's, it's, it's grim. But you have people, though, we're talking about the addicts. They're stealing to, 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 to feed their habit. And I'm always going to stand with the recovery community, always. But we can't, and standing with the recovery community we can't give them any mem- any member of that group carte blanche to act as he or she pleases even when he or she is engaging in activity that is hurting someone else or a whole community we just can't do that anymore and we have to say enough is enough 
Well, this person just needs help. Well, then get that person help. But that person still committed a crime. And that person has to face the consequences. But there can be mitigating factors. And yes, let's get the person help. But let's not pretend the person didn't commit a crime. Stop. Stop. Just stop. And then people stealing because they're poor? Come on. No. You have children. Like I said, you have children and you have adults. Just They go into a Walgreens... You know, and they just help themselves. Like I, I'm serious. They just, they just, they just go in there and just whoop, swoop, and and they just they walk out with all this free stuff. And and people who work at these stores can't do anything. So all I'm hearing about is how black and brown people in the hood are being affected and they're being hurt. And then we've come up with a new phrase. So the phrase du jour is pharmacy desert and again i understand that that's a critical component of these stores and and why it's more than just a place to go to get toiletries house supplies and food although that is important too that's very important but i understand that this this is a component that that really ties into someone's overall well-being i get all that but I didn't hear once any rebuke of the addicts who go in there and steal. I didn't hear once anyone criticize the non-addicts of different ages that go in there and steal. I didn't hear once any kind of empathy For the people who work there, who, what are they going to do if the place closes and then they lose their jobs? Are they going to be transferred to another store? And if they are transferred, how, what's it going to be like for them to get there? Do you see there are a whole bunch of people that are affected, but we want to make it about racism. And we want to make it about poor blacks, black and brown people. What I wanted to see, what I would have liked to have seen, are people of different colors just stand up and say, look, we don't want to see this behavior in any of our communities because maybe there are some issues that need to be addressed with Walgreens, with CVS, with a Rite Aid. Let's do that. But we also need to speak to the obscene theft, the rise in crime that's going on that is causing the stores to have to hire security, which then results in prices of products being driven up. And if we can't talk about that, which is really, I think, the main reasons why these stores are closing and pulling out of these particular areas, then I just, I'm not prepared to just sit there and be quiet and nod my head 
as people are talking about pharmacy deserts and black and brown people in the hood. And let me tell you a little something else. When I was running for Congress, I talked about attrition. I sure did. I sure did. But you know what? When I wanted to have a debate with Rayla Campbell, Rayla Campbell was off somewhere in another part of the state wearing a dress with the police flag emblazoned on it, laughing, yucking it up with people, or getting into confrontations for, you know, name recognition to boost her name recognition. There was a, a party chair that egged her on, that encouraged all of this. And we had, and I think the biggest issue of all was that we had some people that just, well, I mean, I don't see it. This isn't really something sexy. Why exactly are we talking about this? Because it's an issue. And so I gave concrete examples. I talked about Methadone Mile, and I talked about the goodwill on Methadone Mile. And you have all kinds of people coming in there shoplifting, and it's a shame because that's actually a great goodwill. I love, 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 love shopping. You can get some really nice things. But when you have people going in there shoplifting, even if it's a nonprofit, you know, it still functions like a business. So businesses have revenue, nonprofits have surplus. So you're cutting in to the surplus of this nonprofit. And that's in turn affecting their ability to run their programs, which benefit a good number of people. I mean, so so jumping back to this whole issue now about these closing stores it's it's like i said it's we're spinning well i'm not (laughs) but a narrative is being spun about the big nasty corporation not wanting to do business with the hood and that is not true but we'll talk more about this uh, but that's all I have time for now uh, for today's show for now. Um, thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to hanging out with you next week. The preceding commentary does not necessarily reflect the views of the staff and management of WBCA or the Boston Neighborhood Network. If you would like to express another opinion, you can address your comments to Boston Neighborhood Network, 3025 Washington Street, Boston, Massachusetts, 02119. To arrange a time for your own commentary, you can call WBCA at 617-708-3215 or email radio at bnnmedia.org.